Mindset Squared Podcast with Mike and Mike. Giving you a knowledge cocktail every time. Mindset Squared Podcast with Mike and Mike. Bringing you the hottest topics around every time. Your Facebook page, I think, is is ripe to you know utilize or promote some of this stuff um just be you you've got a massive following on there and i think you know long before you and i even talked about doing a podcast i think we were texting each other back and forth about how crazy some of these uh some of that stuff that you post on there i mean it just goes absolutely apeshit bananas i mean you know it's not unusual for you to have a you know, something that's shared, you know, 2,700 times in a single day. Yeah, yeah. No, I still do, even with all the shadow banning and everything, I did, the last 28 days, I reached 1.5 million people, 765,000 engagements. And that was a bad month for me. The month before, I was at like 3 million. But I'm still, yeah, I still, my numbers are still like insane. Most people would kill for these. The issue is my Facebook audience is a little boomer. And my, mm-hmm. so there's a disconnect. This is why I insult the boomers and can say uh, I hate Christians, even though I don't, because the boomers get mad, but the boomers don't buy anything, right? <laughs> right, right. I'm like, oh, how dare he make a joke about Christians? I'm so offended. Yeah. And the younger guys are the ones who buy are going to buy this stuff anyway. So I have like a huge right. audience on Facebook, which you know makes me look relevant or whatever, but. For for a maximum conversion, it, it'll still be the um, the younger guys. You know, and that's actually that's kind of interesting. Is what what is your thought on you've got you've got three major platforms. You've got Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. What's your thought on Instagram right now? Because it seems like like you're you're a you know eight hundred pound gorilla on Twitter. Okay. I mean, you're like a juggernaut on, on uh, Twitter and you have a massive Facebook following, um, Instagram, not as much. And I know like maybe a year ago or so, maybe a year and a half ago, you, you actually rolled out your Instagram saying it's not going to have any political stuff. And then you kind of change your stance on that and you're doing a little bit of everything. Well, yeah, but there's not really any political stuff on my Instagram. Very, there's, Quasi, um, only in terms of like cultural kind of stuff. So if I tweet out, for example, if you're born in America, you're not self-made. I, I mean, some people read that as being an Obama thing, but it was actually in response to people saying Kylie Jenner was a trust fund kid. Right. And, well, sure, but if you're born in America, to some degree, everybody's a trust fund kid. But then uh, people immediately drew drew attention to Obama. You didn't build that. It's like, no, no, no. Like, you're, you're, you're missing the point. It's a, it's a point about abundance. It, it wasn't um, a political thing. But when you say abundance, are you talking about having access to, like, clean water and health care and, you know, decent schools and roads to drive on and, and those types of things? Yeah, functioning legal system. Just, just the idea that, you know, as flawed as it is, people being framed is actually not that common versus uh, you know other countries 
if a powerful judge doesn't like you in America, sure, they can screw with you, but not to the degree that other people can. So it was more along the lines of quit complaining about what everybody else has that you weren't born with and right. focus on what you opportunities you have. You have a working internet connection. You can start a YouTube. You can do this. You can do that. And so he said, even though some people interpret it as a political, it's more of a mindset thing. Right. So are you saying that like Kylie Jenner, I mean, there's no argument that 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 woman it really created something magnificent out of the the gift she was given, right? Yeah, but the so, that money, like we talked about this in another podcast, which is she had enough capital to absorb losses. And right. as long as you're not a complete moron, you're gonna hit you're going to hit a big 10x or 20x deal. One of those five that we talked yeah. about in, in, in another podcast. Right. right. So, but, but people aren't even thinking that way. That's the whole point. People aren't even, the haters don't even have that level of sophistication. If somebody said, well, she, you know, she had all these losses, she could absorb all these losses and she could take more business risk that other people couldn't. Most people, you get kind of one shot. You're a little bit younger. You really go all in. If it fails, you go bankrupt, you rebuild, and then you kind of take a more conservative approach. So most people get one catastrophic failure. You're Kylie right. J, you get three, four, five, and you're you're just gonna hit, you're gonna hit on one of them. No question about it. So so there is actually that's a fair point, but people aren't even saying that. People are just saying, oh, she was born into money, therefore she turned ten. Yeah, but turning ten million into a hundred million, that's not easy. I don't care if you have ten million. Turning ten million to hundred, hundred isn't just something you're going to do without any kind of acumen. But you can absorb. Well, and I'll tell you, most most people I know that uh, were born with you know significant money haven't been able to turn that into something magnificent, something right. special. Most of them do nothing with it or end up you know unfortunately on drugs or you know uh, wasting it away. And um, yeah, that, and I've seen that over and over again in my life. It's actually a rare oddity when you find somebody who, let's say, inherits $2 million and they're able to turn that into 25 or 30 or $40 million. It's pretty rare. Yeah, and in another way, too, that I, I frame that it isn't political per se, but the idea that if you're a guy who's 22, 23, that there's almost no chance you have to worry about being murdered when you're walking out. You don't have to worry about a bomb. Just things that we take for granted. That that, sure. that it's like, okay, you want to let, you know, you're a young guy, you're broke, you're crying because you're not crying, Kylie Jenner, you didn't hear your money or whatever. Well, sure, but there, you can just learn whatever you want to learn on the internet. And you can take chances here or there. You can make smaller gambles. You know, you have, you know, more or less physical security, outside of very rare cases, you have these opportunities, why not focus on, yeah, look, I do have all this abundance in my life. And because that's how I always looked at it. I mean, I grew up poor, had no real opportunities. And then you become older and you become your own person. So if you're a child listening to our podcast, first of all, don't if you're under 18, but you, you're, you're kind of screwed if you're a 13 year old, unless you're really enterprising or something. And I guess, right. Change that, but you know, you grew up poor. I grew up poor. It isn't like I was thirteen that I could change my station in life, and it was a yeah. Lot. I mean, I I would say I I grew up in Missouri. My my parents had some money. Were they extremely wealthy? No, 
Um, but you know, they, I, I feel like I had some opportunity in that, in that regard, you know, from, you know, being able to get like a small loan for my father or something. Um, but it really is, what, what do you do with that? You know, how, how can you turn that into something else? And yeah, I, I see what you're saying regarding the, the Kylie Jenner thing. Um, you know, there was a lot of banter on, on, um, social media about that a few days ago. And, uh, you had a very interesting take on that. So I just wanted to delve into that a little bit, but, um, but jumping back to, to my original question was what's your feeling on those big three social media platforms? So, so on those three, Mike, as far as if you, if you just take these big three, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, what's your feeling on those three from an entrepreneur, whether it's a guy who owns, you know, a Kentucky Fried Chicken franchise to, you know, a guy that owns a small lawn care business is 22 years old. What's your feeling on those three platforms for an entrepreneur? Oh, it'd be Twitter for sure. Just because and, it's a too environment. People on Twitter are smarter. People on Facebook uh, are not as smart as people on Twitter. And Instagram, I just don't have as many people. So... How many people who listen to me on Instagram or to listen to a podcast? I don't know, a couple hundred, maybe. I mean, my stories okay. two thousand views. So yeah, I would say probably a thousand people would listen to from Instagram and listen to a podcast. Um, mm -hmm. Twitter, we'll see. Facebook, yeah, we'll see too. The blog, the blogs, and picking up for sure too. That'll pick up. So. Yeah. It'll but, you know, it, again, so let's say I'm a young guy, I've got a pickup truck, and I've got, you know, a guy that helps me out. And I've got three, you know, uh, ride behind lawnmowers. And I'm wanting to try to build up that brand a little bit. Would I go to Facebook, you think, and, and video that stuff? Would I go to Twitter and, and do posts about that? Or is Instagram the way to do it? Oh, if you were an entrepreneur doing Yes. Oh, that's, I would go door to door probably. I would probably still go door to door and do, and I would do YouTube. I would do YouTube probably how to, you know, repair a lawnmower. The other day I was trying to figure out how to program a, a garage door opener and it was sure. instructions that works. So I went on YouTube and there was the video I watched had 50,000 uh, views. The guy had a garage door. Company. So I imagine he acquired a few customers. Yeah, I'm, I wrote about this in Real Mindset. I'm still a believer in old school SEO, which yes. is how to program. And it was a very specific garage door opener. And I, I went on YouTube, typed it in, watched it. And he had a little trail, you know, bumper for his company or whatever. And I imagine, you know, he took some here and there. And yeah. That, that well, it's amazing. When I talk to my kids, I mean, my daughter Beverly will sit down and, you know, she'll want to go through and, you know, figure out how to do some kind of like, you know, short edit program for something she wants to post on her uh, Snapchat story. And she goes onto YouTube and she'll watch a seven minute video and she's like a total pro at the thing. Yeah, it's just so, amazing. Yeah. The, the number one, and that's a little far field if you have a pickup truck and three, Three lawnmowers and mowing. I don't, I don't know that. I think those days are kind of gone, just in terms because other there's too many people doing it necessarily. You word of mouth. That's good old fashioned referral, word of mouth, uh, 
I don't think you're going to find it on the internet. But you you just knock it on doors, and you get a few clients, and you build build word of mouth. If you if you do have a lot more thing though, and you have little problems here and there, then there nothing beats. And in terms of if you want to be an entrepreneur, I tell this people at the beginning, anything on the internet, just learn how to write a how to art, how to do how to program garage door opener X Y Z. Oh, you probably have this garage door opener. They're really hard to do. Here's how you do it. And just learn how to make a video on all of that kind of stuff. How to change the gas tank or what if the carburetor's clogged. How to do, you know, change your fuel filter in your lawnmower or something. Right. Even if it doesn't convert to new customers, you're still learning. And the biggest mistake people make, especially younger, is they think that because they don't know much that, that they don't know anything. And No, you just don't know much. But you're allowed to talk about what little you do know. And sure, maybe 15 people watch the video. That's not the point. The point is that you're learning how to make content. You're learning what people are looking for. And then you would even learn how to, you could learn how to target ads through that, that way. So you would learn, okay, it's, you know, we just had a bunch of rain. Then maybe you could do like a, a Facebook targeted ad to people in your zip code. Need a lawnmower? Be there in four hours and you just have an offer that converts. Because sales right. is the same, you have a problem. Okay, so where I grew up, you'd get a bunch of rain. And even if you mowed your grass two days ago, now your grass is up to your mid-calf. So if you're, if, oh, it just rained, you know, go on Facebook, target everybody wherever you can do, do it within four hours and say, I'll be there within four hours to have your lawn mode. And you spend 25 and ads. Maybe it convert, maybe it doesn't, but you're still, you're learning the process. And I, I really am a big believer in just learning the process with small amounts of money. Do that over the years, and then as you get more money, more money will scale up. So even with Facebook ads, people, 25 bucks. People shouldn't be spending more than $25 at a time on Facebook. Data set. Okay, I want all people aged X to Y. What gender? One gender or both genders? What interests? Well, people who like such and such. That, that's, that's how you should be thinking. Just $25 a time. Now you're, now you're getting clips. So like, if we advertise this podcast, you would say, okay, um, you know, you don't want, you want to be politically correct and say men and women, but there's a demographic for entrepreneurial podcasts. And it will largely be men age 22 to about 44. Now there's people outside of that range, but that, that's not the way the, it works. And then you would say, okay, men age 22 to 44. Well, what city? Well, you know, the U.S., they've, they've liked Grant Cardone, or they liked Gary or they liked, I don't know, on Ronda, I hope not, but just tossing that as an example. Or they liked X, Y, and Z. But you just go 500 bucks. Did it? Did enough people click over? No. Okay, so one of two things is wrong. Either your demographic targeting was wrong, or right. – or your ad is wrong. You don't know which. So then you run a new ad using the same interest groups, target groups, and then you see, okay, did it did it click over? Okay, maybe it's not the ad. Maybe I have the interest groups wrong. Maybe people who liked, I don't know, Zen meditation would be more in tune to that. And you keep doing that 25 bucks at a time. You're not breaking the bank. And then you find out, oh, okay, here's the people who really like the stuff, and then you target them. So I'll give you an example of how funny this is. I was with 
one of my best friends from law school, we were hanging out. He pulls out a wallet. I'm like, oh, man, I have the same wallet. I pull out my wallet. We both bought it from Facebook. It was this leather, you know, really slim wallet. So all of us, we all think we're special. We're, we're really unique, but you're, we're just demographics. Okay, you're a man. You need a wallet. Sometimes you wear a suit, so you don't want a big fat suit for your back wallet. You want it to fit slim in your front pocket. So they even probably targeted probably people who go to the gym want a slimmer wallet and wear tighter jeans, and you don't want it bulging. I imagine there was all kinds of calibration. Same thing with mushroom coffee. I started drinking mushroom coffee off a of Facebook ad. I bought a backpack off a of Facebook ad. So everybody, everybody can do that, and that's how you that's how you target it. And because there's no magic to this online stuff, that's why I feel bad for people who spend all these thousands of dollars on courses that purport to teach them. And I'll watch the courses, and I go, no, 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 like you need traffic to your website. There's two two ways to get traffic. You, know, you pay for traffic, or you get it organically. Organically, you know, this is yeah. That actually, this twenty-five dollar thing is really interesting because I do hear of a lot of people that I I talk to in my real estate circles that will dump anywhere from five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars on an ad at any given time to try to source whether it's buyers or sellers or whatever they're looking for. And I like this twenty-five dollar thing because it almost reminds me of like a uh, I don't know an orange, you know, and you're, you're sticking a straw into it. Am I getting juice here? No. Okay. 25 bucks. Stick it in here. Am I getting juice? No. You stick it in the next one. Boom. All of a sudden you get flow, right? And then you can say, okay, well, let's take 25 up to 400 or 500 or whatever, because that's where your sweet spot is. So I do like that pinprick methodology. Well, and the seduction too of the Facebook ads is it'll say, you know, if you do a thousand dollar buy, you'll reach, I don't know, 100,000 people. So Facebook knows how to play in your psychology. Oh, for 25 bucks, you'll reach 1,400, but we'll upsell you on reaching a wider audience. But how do you know you're reaching the right audience? You, right? So you, you right. reach more people. You want to reach, you want, if, if I'm buying an ad, the, and this is, by the way, is why TV ads are still, they're not, they're mostly a scam, is I don't want everybody to know I exist. I only want people who would want to read my books, watch my movie, listen to our podcast. Do I only want them to know. Everybody else, I don't need to reach me. I don't, I don't need the ego of, of them watching me. So when you're, when you're doing ads, you just want to zero in on, I only want, to, I only want the, the people who subscribe to this podcast to even see an advertisement. So why just spend $1,000? And, and to reach a bunch of people and, and not know how you're converting. And then you can, you can really go deep into interests, who, specific public figures that they've liked, specific areas. Right. You like, you know, real estate, for example. And if you were doing like home flipping and you happen to know one market happened to be a little bit hotter, you might only target your ad to that group. And you might only target to, you know, there's a lot of women real estate agents, so you might only want to target that to women because there, there are so many women real estate agents. And you would say, I only want women to see this ad. And well, then, it is kind of amazing as a, from a real estate perspective, we can target ads on Facebook. The minutia is stunning. So I can target homeowners in a certain zip code that have shown interest in 
bankruptcy attorneys, foreclosure specialists, loan modification programs, things like that. And you can target those homeowners specifically if you're looking, say, for distressed homeowners, you know, people that you might potentially, as a flipper, get a deal from. So Facebook does let you do a drill down, I mean, really into the weeds on on those ads. And uh, and then doing that with this pinprick $25 uh, methodology that you talk about is brilliant. Yeah, and then if they're good, do them 100 at a time. And then scale that 100, okay, now 150, 200. And, and that's why people, they blow their budget so much is, because if, if, if somebody comes in and says, I want to do your Facebook ads, like so, say I pitched you and I'm an ad agency. I don't yeah. want to waste my time doing $25 ads. But me, I like to, you know, I like to learn the things as I know, because then if I ever hire somebody to do it, that, like so many times I'm like, no, 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 I've done this before. Don't tell me a website takes 20 hours to do. Like it just doesn't. I've done it. I could go set a website up. I could have a domain hosting and a website up and so don't try to tell me it's five thousand dollars for the website. It just isn't, and it's the same thing with ads. Don't. So if I'm pitching you, I would say, well, you know, give me a five thousand dollar a month budget for it, and I probably would skim some on the top. You know, that's how people. That's how people do things. And then you want to cast a wide net when the right approach is to say, we're going to experiment. $25 ad sets will go up to 100, show you the data, and then you want to talk to the person. So I would say, okay, you know, we didn't get that many clicks. What do you think? Do we have a better picture? Do we have something else we could use? Something more dramatic? Or let's talk a little bit more. You know, the beauty of your business and my business is I already have customers. So I don't need to imagine who might be interested in whatever it is that I'm doing. Like, I know who's right. And it's going to be 80% men, 20% women. And of that age demo, they're going to fall into the 22 to 44 range. That's going to be 80% of them. And then the rest are on the tails. And, and by the way, if anybody's listening, you're outside that range. No one's saying you're not welcome to listen. You're welcome. But it's telling you this is, that's who in general is going to be interested. So if you're on Facebook, why would you just say, okay, I'm going to send this ad to everybody on Facebook. Well, not everybody is going to be interested. Maybe 10% of the population is interested. If it's truly a niche product, maybe 1% of 1% would be interested. And how do you only find the 1% of the 1%? You keep experimenting 25 bucks at a time. Right. You know, and, and one thing I learned through this podcast process, um, specifically from you, which I, I thought was interesting because it's not something that I you know, that I would have thought of. But originally when we were talking about running, you know, putting this out, like on some of the social media platforms, I was like, well, you know, I'm just thinking conventional wisdom, right? I'm not a podcast guy. So I'm thinking, well, we, we want to drive everybody to iTunes, right? We would just want to say, hey, here's the link to iTunes and that's it. And you were like, no, you don't want to do that. We want to get them back to a website that we control and it's interesting you said that. And then like a week later, I'm reading a story online and lo and behold, guess whose name's in it? It's Mike Cernovich's name regarding a video, I guess, that uh, somebody at a, a Project Veritas had done that Facebook was actually de-boosting certain people on Facebook uh, using this uh, AI software program called Sigma. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, we were just talking about this like a week prior about trying to get everybody to a website that we control, Mindset Squared, right? And then you have a link tree there that people can click off of. So I would love to get your take on, I mean, were you aware that that was going on? Yeah, my, um, so I've been, you know, the Facebook thing was weird because they claimed that I, they, they flagged me as supporting suicide, which is like the dumbest thing. If they had flagged me for making a bad joke, I'd say, well, I, on Facebook, I never, I was like G-rated, but who knows, maybe. But they just, they they just make stuff up. But, but the, that said is I was always big because I had a blog. I did very well on a blog during the golden age of blogging which was before the golden age of podcasting. And if you have a podcast, you want people to go to your podcast because if somebody goes to iTunes, Tim Cook is selling them stuff. I want to sell people stuff. I want to own that real estate. I want you seeing our advertisements. I want you, you know, people seeing our stuff on there. So that's the number one reason you want to drive them to the site is, yeah, sure. There is that censorship component to it. And absolutely there's that too, but, you want people, you want people on your site, and it's harder than ever to get people to go to your website. And the good old days of blogging, I would tweet a link to my blog, and I would get five or ten thousand clicks. Now, if I get a couple thousand, that's a real, you know, that's like a home run. It used to just be, you know, taken for granted, and that's because most people on social media, whatever their preferred platform is, they don't leave that. They go on YouTube for five hours. Well, if you're on YouTube for five hours, you're looking at YouTube's ads. Or, you know, now the bloggers or the vloggers, they do content marketing with Sephora, the makeup girls. I respect their hustle a lot, too. They have their own makeup lines. So they found a way to get around. It's called the walled garden problem. The walled garden problem is if you go to iTunes, you're in Apple's world. And they're going to sell you more iTunes, more whatever. And you as the, the podcaster, creator, artist, you don't get anything. So you want people to go to your site. That's why people use Libsyn or whatever. I'd rather just they stay on your website, they press play, and they listen to you, and they don't even leave the website. But you want to still you want to make it easy for people to listen to you, so you have it posted, you know, everywhere. But in a perfect world, you sell host MP3s. People just play them on your site. They never leave your website. Now that's not the perfect world, but that's what you want to bring people closer to is they're spending more time on your website. That's also why they don't convert. I've tried them before. Podcast transcripts. This is one thing, too, about the internet. You learn a lot. There's a reason people don't do things a certain way. And five years ago when I had a pretty big podcast, I transcribed the podcast. I thought, what an amazing value. I people are going to love it. No. Just no conversion rate, which is whatever. You can't argue with the market. Me, I'm thinking, this is incredible. What a, you'll read the, No, they, they want to listen to a podcast or they want to read a blog. They don't want to read a transcript of a podcast. Fine, you know, lesson learned. But the, the, the broader point, though, is that you do want show notes. So if you do a podcast, episode one, you know, top five books. So if you mention five books, links to the books, you know, look, links to Amazon or links to everywhere, because that gives people more reasoning on your website. Or you'll say, Bonus episode we're not releasing on any other network or any other channel. Come to the website and get it. Or join the email list and get on the email list and you get the podcast. Any number of things. So you want I to like that. Yeah. 
Well, and, you know, Rush Limbaugh does that. He has his stack of stuff that he's been doing for 20 years where, you know, he talks about different news articles throughout his three-hour broadcast. And if you go and subscribe to his uh, web, on his website, you can get his daily stack of stuff. That's a great, yeah, he's so smart. Yeah. Yeah. The reason he's the number one, although the golden age of talk radio is kind of gone too, but yeah, but there was a reason. I think at one point he had like a $250 million contract. This was 10 or so years ago, but that, that's right. Smart. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. What, what, what he accomplished and, and how he monetized that. I mean, I remember years ago he was doing ties and, you know, all kinds of stuff that, um, you know, was kind of an offshoot of the show, but, um, anyway, well, I, you know, this anatomy of the podcast is interesting. Um, and I, this is an interesting, I actually turned into an episode, so I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I've, I had a, I had a big podcast years ago and before yeah. podcasting was big, I was doing really good numbers. And then I migrated into another realm probably to my detriment that I've lived an interesting life. So whatever. And then podcasts really took off. And so I, it was weird. I was the first one kind of on the wave and I could have been riding the wave to these huge, huge podcast people have. And now I'm kind of starting over in a way, not really because I, ha I still have residual uh, listeners and residual viewers and everything, but well, I think, you know, I, I, this podcast, I'll tell you in the short amount of time that we've been doing it, I, I'm not a guy that gets all kinds of emails, you know, from a random people, but I've gotten, you know, four or five emails, two of them, by the way, from high school, 18 year old guys who stumbled across our podcast and listened to it and gave it rave reviews. So, you know, it, it, it is really cool to get out there and, and kind of share some knowledge and talk about this stuff because I, I think there's definitely a need in the marketplace and there's really not a lot of guys doing it. And the growth of podcasting over, you know, the next four or five years is supposed to triple from what it is now. So, you know, whether or not we're in, you know, the silver age or whatever we're in of, of podcasting, I do think it's a big deal. Although, it does seem like a lot of people are, are recording their podcasts now and also putting them on YouTube, which we're doing. But I was on, as a guest, I was on a huge real estate podcast, uh, I think the second largest in um, Apple um, real estate podcast called Wholesaling Inc. I was a guest this past week. And they don't record their podcast as far as video goes. They only do an audio version currently. Um, but I do know that like Joe Rogan and a lot of these bigger podcasts are doing both YouTube and uh, the audio component, which we're doing and which, you know, our, our uh, production guy is handling for us. Yeah. And the, the reason Joe does it that way is if you do a video podcast, you just strip the MP3 and you upload it to your, to your, your whatever, to your RSS feed and you're good to go. Yeah. Sam Harris doesn't do video. There's, I would say most big podcasters don't video and then strip off the strip it off. Most of them, even Entrepreneur on Fire, he was kind of becoming a big deal as I was leaving the the podcasting world. He was uh, audio. He might do video now. I haven't followed along, but 
the, and the reason is audio is easier, but it'll become more interactive actually there. Because I always like think about what is new. And podcasting isn't going to go away because people, you know, you work, you want to listen to stuff, you're doing the dishes, you're doing laundry. You always want to, it's the ultimate multitasker, right? I'm driving. I don't want to listen to music. I want to listen to podcasts. We're good to go. But the, the future is going to be much more interactive. And even like Twitter's a little, or Periscope is a little late to the game, but the call-in shows, stuff like call-in shows aren't going anywhere. There, there's always going to be a need for that. The issue is podcasting is going to grow, but it's going to be harder for newcomers to differentiate themselves from everyone else. That, that's going to be the number Yeah, I think that's a big issue because I, last thing I read, there was 5,500 podcasts or something in uh, iTunes currently, which is just, you know, and I don't even know if that number is right, but whether or not it's right or wrong, there's a lot of podcasts out there. And most of them get 130 listens or something like that per episode. Most, it's just like there's been an explosion on eBooks. It's never been an easier time to be an author. But, it, you know, standing out and reaching people is, is the biggest challenge. And it's something, even if you're established, like I am, it's still something that you just think about is where, where are you, you know, where are you reaching people? And that's why people, fortunately for me, I've never had to buy a Facebook ad to, to promote my stuff, but I'm going to learn all that stuff. That, so I've, yeah, well. I, I think maybe we'll try that out on this uh, mindset squared thing once we get this rolling. We'll try a few ads and see how they do with yeah. your $25 pin prick method. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> $25. Right. Get a lot of clicks. And the, the beauty of it, too, is if you do an ad and it's doing well, you can just say, I'm going to increase it. And you, you should use the same ad, same demographic. And if it's still getting click throughs, you just keep increasing that. That's right. Why in your newsfeed, you tend to see the ads over and over. You know, you'll see the same Lewis Howell ad over and over. Or I don't know if you still do, but back in the day, he would spend a ton on ads. Well, there's a reason you saw that one over and over again. It's, it isn't because he didn't have any other ads. It's because they tried them all. That one for and, and there is always just sometimes you don't know why things hit. But if it's hitting and keep converting, where every dollar you're spending is going to get you a dollar ten in sales. And then you just you just keep scaling it until it doesn't work, and then you cut it off, and then you do something else. So there's a I'll reason. tell you who there's somebody out there who must have found uh, that that works because ever since I liked a couple of these Facebook groups about podcasting, I just wanted to learn a little bit about it. Um, all of a sudden now, I'm getting all these ads in my newsfeed about tripods, and there's somebody out there that has one called Smooth or something where. The podcast actually has a motor in it and it moves with the camera as you move. And you know, all these things now are popping up. And it's like every time I get on uh, Facebook, they're hitting me with that, that ad. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they found it relative to a relative to your interest group. And right. Yeah. We like to think we're all special, but eh, you know, I like Japanese whiskey. You like whiskey, but a different, but similar demographic. So, well, you you haven't you haven't tried my uh, I was fast my my Pappy Van Winkle here yet, yeah. which uh, I'm going to bring with me. I think next time I come down to uh, 
OC and uh, for a visit, and we'll we'll stack up your Japanese whiskey against mine. Right. It'll but, be a World War II battle. So demographically, you would say, well, if you like whiskey, they probably like cigars, right? So you yeah. would say, okay, they like this podcast, they like whiskey, they like cigars, okay. Cigar cutters, well, that's kind of a one-off thing, but I'm sure people who like cigars are into, you know, other things demographically. And, and that's really all ad is adding, advertising is about doing is targeting what you're into, correlating what you're into based on the rest of it. Because correlation might not equal causation, but correlation does mean correlation. And if cigar smokers also like fountain pens, then you will sell them a fountain pen. Even though smoking a cigar doesn't cause you to like fountain pens, there's a correlation, or at least I imagine there is, between Mont Blanc fountain pens or Rolexes and cigars or something like that. Yeah, and fine whiskey, all that stuff kind of rolls into uh, into one big basket. Um, if you like the DuPont Registry, uh, you know, car magazine or their online portal, then inevitably you start getting all the fine wine ads as well. So. There must be some correlation the advertisers have figured out between exotic and luxury cars and fine wine. Well, even when I was younger, when I was in college, you, I read National Geographic, and you would see Range Rover as a National Geographic. But if you read Maxim Magazine, you saw Axe Body or, or uh, Axe Body Spray or whatever. <laughs> Just two different markets. The content you're interested in is going to dictate. I don't know. I don't know why the Axe body spray makes me laugh, but it does. But well, I, 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 I know what you're saying. And that's one of those very humbling moments in my life where I thought, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. And, yeah, they're laughing all the way to God knows how much money they make. That was huge for a while. I don't know if it's still It was. Yeah, it was. It was massive. And are, are you telling me your wife doesn't let you wear the Axe body spray any longer? I don't I don't think I even wore it when I was in my most douchiest phase of my life. I don't think I ever would have worn that. I wore. Okay. Yeah, I, I think mine was uh, Aqua Du Jour by Armani. I think was the one I used. It was more of a. Ooh. But even then, I remember that like, you'd read GQ. So if you read GQ, they would figure, okay, so you're probably I don't know, 24 to 34, and so it, we were again. We really I love marketing and advertising only because it shows like the commonality, the correlation. So if you're reading GQ, you're not going to probably wear Axe body spray. You're going to want something a little more upscale. Or if you're listening to a podcast like this, well, I don't know yet because we'd have to see who listens. But if you listen to a podcast right. like this, well, what, you know, what kind of books are people going to want to read or what kind of subjects are, you don't really know, but you figure that out as you go. Yeah. Yeah, that's that is very true. Very true with all all those things. And now they're not as much magazines, but they're online. And you know, but there there is a lot of ad correlation between you know liking this and liking that. And then all of a sudden, you're seeing ads from you know all these different things. And it is kind of interesting to see that. Um, I will go, just jumping backwards real quick because I just wanted to say this to you know folks that are out there listening to this the old school marketing methods though do still work i mean we do a ton of that in the real estate side of the business i you know i'm a big guy and big believer in direct mail and i still do you know uh, direct mail for a couple of my businesses people still open up direct mail they still look at postcards and uh 
there is a place for that. So it's not everything is digital. Uh, there is a place for some of that old school marketing. In some ways, I think it might cut through even better today than maybe it did 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, people poo-pow it, right? Everybody wants the latest thing. And there are still people who long form. I mean, in terms of selling, nothing sells more than content. Nothing sells more than the good old-fashioned long-form sales letter that solves a problem. And then you tweak it. You tweak it based on what you learn. But fundamentally, it's, hey, here's an article. I'm going to give you a bunch of useful information for free. And then here's something you can buy at the very end for the soft sell. For the hard sell, it's you have this problem. Here's a very specific solution. And then I identify the problem, give you some solutions, and then tell you why this problem. That, that stuff really – you can read a Dan Kennedy book, and – it, it, he's a cranky kind of old man, but the, the concepts still hold on. Like you have to have an ask. You have to have a call to action. You have to write it a certain way. You have to look at the, the benefits of the product, not the features. The, so, for example, with a car, you say all-wheel drive, right? You hear that, all-wheel drive. What does all-wheel drive mean, right? Nobody knows what all-wheel drive means. You say that if you drive – and you have to swerve across the road, the tires are going to stick to the road more, so you're not going to flip over. You're not going to lose control. That's the benefit of all-wheel drive. So there's even once you really know deep into marketing, you know that telling you, – you would not do a commercial talking about all-wheel drive. Or you would, you would visually show what it does and how it kicks in or something like that, but you want to demonstrate the, the benefit of the whatever it is and instead of focusing on the features – but most product people, they just talk about the features. So, you'll, so if, I were, you know, if I were selling people on a cigar night, I would say, oh, you know, come out, you get a cigar, right? And that's a feature. Premium Honduran roll cigar, hold it a certain way. Uh, you're selling an experience, right? You're selling the benefit of, and even, you know, as a real estate guy, right? Oh, you can talk about the paint and everything, but fundamentally you're talking about a person building a life correct yeah and you're absolutely doing that with you know uh the cigar vent uh is a is a great you know analogy for that is you really are you're describing how that event is going to help you or impact your life not necessarily the whiskey that's there but more of the relationships that are formed there and you know, that spirit or that feeling that you have of being part of that event. And, uh, and that is, that's, that's, you know, goes back to my whiskey talk event that I do here in Napa Valley. You know, we don't talk about the great whiskey that we have and, you know, the food and things like that. We're selling the experience of being able to come to that and network with, you know, 40 other like multi-millionaire real estate guys that have, you know, been doing this for a long time and make, you know, have made a lot of money and the relationships and the connections you could forge there. You know, the food's great, the whiskey's great, but that's not what we're selling. Right. Yeah. So, well, this has been, this has been awesome, Mike. I, you know, um, there is some serious value uh, for anybody looking to do a uh, podcast, just kind of running through this whole anatomy of, of how this stuff, uh, you know, puts to, how we've started to put this together. I think that's, uh, I think a lot of people will find that fascinating and seeing how you take somebody like yourself who 
you know, you've sold all kinds of products. You've done a blog, you've done the online thing. I'm sure you've done some old school marketing and you, you kind of combine all that. Um, and then you look at, you know, how we, we brought on like a production guy to handle this for us and how he puts the production together. There's a lot to it. Um, but it's, it's really, it's gotta be very interesting for somebody who is just starting a podcast to kind of see the, the backside of how this stuff's put together and how we talk about it. Yeah, man, always a pleasure. Yeah. Well, great talking to you. And uh, until next time. See you then. Mindset Square.